Well, hey there, and welcome back to the show. Now, when I was in first or second grade, I remember being so excited to get to the floor for circle time that I scrambled over every single chair between my own and the floor. And then I was immediately reprimanded by the teacher in front of all of my friends. It was the worst case scenario for me at the time and throughout my life to have someone disappointed in me. Now, I've only recently discovered why things like this have had such a negative impact on me throughout my life. Now, during this episode of the podcast, Meredith Carter and I talk about RSD, rejection sensitive dysphoria, and the challenges it presents in our parenting, in our work, and in our social interactions. We talk about what RSD is and how to recognize it. We talk about how avoiding rejection can actually hold us back from experiencing life fully. We talk about simple coping strategies for dealing with RSD. Now, Meredith Carter is an ADDCA-trained ADHD coach specializing in group coaching. As a true multi-passionate adult with ADHD, Meredith has gained varied experience over the last 20 years working in employee training and development, as well as tackling several small businesses. In 2019, Meredith decided to pursue ADHD coaching after seeing the positive changes it facilitated in both her life and in her daughter's. Meredith prides herself in her ability to hold a supportive space for her clients and facilitate lasting connections in her groups. In her spare time, Meredith loves to run, hike, and spend time outdoors with her husband and three children. Now, before we dig in, I wanted to be sure that you have downloaded the free ADHD supports guide that I created for you. Because one thing I know for sure is that managing ADHD is not a one-stop shop. There are so many tips, tools, practices, practices, treatment options, and lifestyle accommodations to consider. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and wonder where in the world to start. So if you are nodding your head, yes, then you will definitely want to check out the guide. It's a super simple step-by-step guide that keeps your ADHD brain engaged because it's interesting, it's important, and sometimes even a little exciting. So I invite you to consider yourself a detective as you discover the ideal combination of supports to help you remain calm, be more consistent, stay focused on what's important, shift out of overwhelm and other big emotions more quickly, make decisions more easily, and develop more confidence, all while becoming more of the person you know yourself to be. So you can download the guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports, or find the link in the show notes. And enjoy this brilliant conversation with Meredith Carter. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories, as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hey, Meredith, welcome. I am so excited to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. 
All right. Now, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to be doing what you're doing? And just a side note, I we uh, we talked about this for a moment before we hit record, but um, I've been following you on Instagram for I don't know a year and a half, two years maybe, um, and I absolutely love your feed and everything you you provide a whole lot of value. So that's kind of how I found you. But tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to be how you got to be hummingbird ADHD. Yeah, I'd love to share that. So um, it all starts uh, when I um, was really starting to dive into ADHD after my daughter was diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. I was having a very hard time um, finding a book that I could get through that didn't feel super clinical to me. I, you know, followed a few accounts at the time. There wasn't a lot of um, conversation on Instagram about ADHD, so I felt really limited in my resources that I was finding. Um, and I found myself just feeling scattered in the whole process. Mm -hmm. Like I'd read something here, I read an article there and I felt like, you know, I really needed to package it all together to better understand how to support my daughter. So I found myself in, um, the ADD coach Academy's intro class. It's called simply ADHD. So I decided to take that class just to like educate myself. I had no intention to like really move forward with their program or be a coach. I just, it was the only thing I could find out there that was just like a class about ADHD. Right. So I took that course and within probably the second week, I definitely realized it was not just my daughter that has ADHD. That was definitely when my light bulb went off, when I really started learning about what ADHD looks like. Um, and through that time decided to pursue my own diagnosis. Mm, um, I loved the program. I was loving the learning process. Um, For my career, I was doing employee coaching already. So coaching is something that wasn't new to me. And I thought to myself, wow, I am like so fascinated by this topic. The ADHD brain is so interesting. And I was seeing the very real impact, like working with people to um, grow their executive function skills and really just understand themselves better could make. So I decided to continue with that program. Um, And along the way, I started my Hummingbird ADHD Instagram and just fell in love with connecting with people on that platform. Um, Just a great way to share information and reach a lot of people. Yeah. Well, you've done it. You, 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 you <laughs> did thank it. Thank you. Yeah, it really is brilliant. You d- definitely need to check out Meredith's um, Instagram feed. It's really, it's brilliant. And you, you just offer so much um, information and understanding and it's all relatable. Meredith, I really, I really appreciate that. Oh, thank <laughs> like, you. <laughs> and I love, you know, in, in ADHD uh, fashion, don't we just like, I mean, it's, fascinating. Yes. The brain is fascinating. The brain with ADHD, even more fascinating. 100%. And I have always had this fascination. My undergrad degree is in psychology. So mm-hmm. wanting to learn about how brains work is not new to me. But when right. I discovered what ADHD was, and it wasn't just, um, you know, a hyper kid, like when right. I really learned the depth of what is involved, I like had to dive in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, there was one thing I didn't write down that I wanted to ask you about, and it will come to me. It will, it will, <laughs> it will come. I'm gonna think about it for just a moment. Something you just said. Um, 
yeah. Anyway, it will come to me. So, um, so one of your, uh, one of your Instagram posts that really, I mean, all of them do, but that really resonated with me was uh, the one about RSD. Can you tell them, tell us a little bit about what RSD, because this really, when I learned about, and I've, 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 I learned about it a while ago, but I love the way that you explain it. Um, it really, really, really resonates with me. And it's kind of like, it's another one of those, oh, when I learned, when I learned what that was, I was like, oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's why I feel this way. And so I'll tell you a little bit, a little story about, um, about that and how I, how it's kind of followed me through my life. But tell us a little bit about what is RSD anyway? So RSD is an acronym that, acronym that stands for rejection sensitive dysphoria. Mm -hmm. um, and basically to put that in more colloquial terms, it is a feeling of extreme emotional pain when experiencing a real or perceived rejection. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a few examples because I think that helps to really understand the concept. It might be someone that um, goes to work and gets their yearly review and it's mostly positive, but there's a piece of constructive feedback in there. And when they go home, they are anxious. They are ruminating on that piece of feedback. It takes over. Even when that feedback was meant to be constructive, it was packaged in a lot of positive feedback. But the reaction isn't just like, okay, yeah, we don't really love hearing feedback. The reaction is it's taking over. Um, so that would be like an example of how it can present, but it is just that extreme emotional pain um, to an actual rejection or one that we just perceive as rejection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I totally, I can think about when I was, gosh, I must have been maybe first or second grade and we were being called to, to come to circle right on the floor. And I remember scrambling over, I was so excited to get to circle and I was scrambling over a bunch of chairs in the classroom and the teacher called me out and said maybe something like, you know, ladies don't scramble over chairs like that. Or I can't remember exactly what she said. That was in like first grade mm -hmm. and I still, and then from then on, I never scrambled scrambled over a chair. I always sat in, it, it was very interesting. Like, I wonder if that was the moment that, and I can still, I can still feel like how it felt to me mm -hmm. and just the, like, oh, we need to do things the way that it's supposed to be done. Kind of. Yeah, thing. absolutely. That's like the perfect example too, of how RSD can kind of be like the roots of a tree that has all of these different branches and different things that you see on the surface. And right. I'll dive into that a little bit. So like the RSD, wanting to avoid that feeling mm -hmm. can grow into perfectionism. It can grow into people pleasing. It can grow into like self-isolating because we don't want to feel that rejection. It can mm. turn into like inertia, like we don't go after our goals because we don't want to get negative feedback or we don't want anyone to judge us or something like that. So right. it can be like the deep root of a lot of things that really can cause um, pain and suffering in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, um, you know, when it comes to parenting, 
Mm-hmm. Definitely, there are. You know, uh, that that's that's definitely a place because we're already sensitive, right? Yeah. To, to how we're parenting and are we doing it right? And then you know, we'll we'll talk about the adding ADHD on top of it, but um, and then in business too, mm-hmm. it's yeah. really really interesting to yeah. hear feedback or listen to feedback or read feedback, and then oh well, that's it. I can't do that anymore. Right. <laughs> right. right. And I see that for my, in myself a lot. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm aware of it because it can help me be able to recognize it and take the steps I need to do to manage my emotions around it and still move forward. But like for me, I wasn't asking my clients for feedback. Like I wasn't getting reviews right. because right. I was afraid of what they would say. And I have no reason to believe any of my clients are unhappy. They tell me in conversation all the time that they get great results and they feel good about everything. But I don't send that formal request for feedback because there might be a little something in there that I don't want to hear. And it will make me want to kind of shut down and not offer those services. So um, and on the parenting side, man, uh, it shows up all the time and it's so layered yeah. and complex. Like I see it um, when I am trying to advocate for my kids. Mm-hmm. I also can sometimes feel really um, triggered with my own RSD when I see my children experiencing RSD. Right. I have three and two of them have ADHD. So when they experience that extreme reaction to rejection, I'm recognizing it in myself and remember, or, you know, remembering how much it has gotten in the way of things I've wanted to do. Um, so it can be this whole vicious cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that you, um, that you mentioned that about seeing it in your kids too, because I have mm-hmm. my kids, we're of a family of ADHD and mm-hmm. the whole family. And, um, and yeah, I have one in particular, we've always had to parent differently. Yeah. And what to outsiders, may seem like we're coddling Mm -hmm. it's not coddling it's it's being real clear about how we deliver the message right because otherwise he shuts down Mm -hmm. and okay well i'm just never going to do this again and and i can totally like you said i can totally see it Mm -hmm. i can totally see me Mm -hmm. in my kids and it's okay so so I guess those are kind of some of the impacts, right? Or, right. Or, or let's let's talk about like what how does that, you know, I talked about about talked about what happened in first grade to me. Uh-huh. And we see it in our kids, we see it in our parenting and in our work. What other what are the impacts if we if we cuz I went decades mm-hmm. of my life not understanding that oh this is a thing. RSD yeah. is a thing. It's a part of the ADHD. Yes. Right. So what are the impacts if it's um if we don't know about it or um or in other areas of life? Yeah, I mean it can have a ton of impacts. So I think avoidance is a huge mm-hmm. impact. Mm-hmm. Um, if we experience those strong emotions over and over again when we're faced with feedback or um, you know, perceived failure or criticism. And we we start to feel like we can't tolerate that anymore. So we may avoid doing things that we really want to do that are really important to us. Um, if we have experienced negative uh, social interactions with friends and family and things like that, uh, we may avoid um, spending time with them and right. reaching out and closing off that side of us, which is really you know painful at times to not be supported. 
Um, so avoidance is definitely, I think, a big impact. Mm -hmm. um, burnout, I think, oh, yeah. can be related because, you know, if every time we are faced with um, anything we're perceiving as a rejection and having those very extreme emotions and we're not taking time to care for ourselves and regulate our emotions and things like that, then um, even though we can kind of tough out those feelings for a while, after time we're exhausted and we get burned out and we want to stop. Um, so I think those are two really, really big impacts that uh, I've noticed with my clients, um, avoidance, burnout, those types of things are definitely things we risk. Right. Um, I also think that oftentimes, uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, we kind of have a tendency to become people pleasers mm, right. so that we uh, can avoid anyone thinking anything negative about us. Um, mm -hmm. So we may be afraid to say no because we don't, we, it's easier to say yes than face that potential for someone, you know, being angry at us or rejecting us. Right. Gosh, that sounds like my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When I first heard this concept, I was like, this makes so much sense. Right. I mean, ever so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the worst thing, you know, better now, but still like the worst thing, especially when I was growing up was disappointing someone, mm -hmm. you know, a teacher, yeah. my parents, a friend, you know, and it's exhausting. It is exhausting. <laughs> like the other day I was like, you know, I am so glad I'm no longer in that place where I need everyone to like me, even if I don't right. like them. But like there were people that were, I really didn't need them to like me but that that was so strong to avoid any potential criticism or rejection that i would bend over backwards you know right. for anyone not yeah. just the people that i care about the most yeah exactly exactly i know i can think um even when my kids were um my kids are teens now but when they were you know like um being on the board at their mm -hmm. preschool and like because i have to you know, yeah, the, the wanting people to like me so that I don't feel the rejection. I mean, mm -hmm. now I'm kind of putting two and two together. I, yeah. Uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a lot that drives those behaviors um, around people pleasing that are, that's connected with ADHD, but I think RSD can be a really big part of that. I mean, it's so funny when you talk about teachers, because I remember like, I felt like parent teacher conferences were like a performance for me because mm -hmm. I needed them to like, you know, tell me I was doing a good job too, because yeah, I just couldn't really handle that feedback at all. Uh, even if I didn't particularly connect with that teacher. So it really, in parenting, I think shows up quite a lot. Yeah. And, you know, and even though, like you said, even though I'm not in that place anymore, I still, mm -hmm. especially, you know, moms with ADHD, it's a good chance that they have kids with ADHD. Yes. And then we, we end up having more right we have mm -hmm. 504s and ieps yes. and therapists different kinds mm -hmm. of therapy and and social skills groups and like all kinds of things mm -hmm. and then everybody you know it it's it's hard not to feel like i'm doing something wrong right because my kid's struggling or me because mm -hmm. my kid is doing this or that or or, or the other thing and yeah. So how do we cope with the RSD and these feelings of rejection? What, what, do, how do we, how do we manage that? So it doesn't, so it doesn't cause those, the avoidance and the burnout and the people pleasing, mm -hmm. which in effect kind of, um, dilutes our life. 
we don't yeah. experience we don't we don't give ourselves the opportunity to experience fully because we're always on guard yeah i think it's really important to first recognize when it's happening so being able to mm -hmm. name it mm -hmm. is really really important and also not just when we're in the moment but when we're in that avoidance so before it happens but when we are avoiding or procrastinating um um, really being able to identify that maybe we're doing this because we're afraid of the outcome. Um, so spending a lot of time really like understanding ourselves, building that self-awareness is really important. Um, when we're feeling those strong feelings, again, I find it so helpful to be like, okay, Meredith, slow down, breathe. This is RSD. Um, and that doesn't and just mean that saying I, it. I love yes. that. This is RSD. Yes. Okay. And being able to say that mm -hmm. and recognize it usually takes me down at least a little bit of a level. Um, I am very reactive. Like emotional dysregulation is very strong for me. Yes. Me um, so I mean, there's not always the time to pause <laughs> before you're dysregulated. So, yeah. um, but knowing when I'm there and knowing to um, pull out the tools I have in my toolbox. So something that really helps me is I am a verbal processor. Mm -hmm. So having those people that I know that I can start a conversation with, usually it's my husband, and um, I had to coach him how to respond to me in these situations. Right. So, and he is very, he's a wonderful person, but I had to be able to say to him, I just want to talk through this. This is not a time for giving me advice on it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I just needed that space to process and have those emotions be able to be seen. So having that person you can process with, um, if you are a verbal processor, I think that if you are not a verbal processor, maybe you're a writer, um, maybe you need to get out and do something, um, that really helps too. But having a tool that you can use when you're in the thick of the, the intense emotion, so it doesn't go from the emotional uh, dysregulation into a rumination cycle, because mm, that's right. kind of where we end up getting stuck. Uh, something I like to talk about with my clients is we have to have a way to externalize it. Mm -hmm. So whether that's writing, whether that's talking it through, um, whether that's going and hitting a punching bag and like saying your feelings or whatever it is that mm -hmm. resonates, you know, knowing what works for you right. is part of it. And it takes some experimenting and also just accepting that it's not going to like cure this tendency. It's not going to completely go away, but when we can have a tool to work through it is really good. I also really suggest um, something that, gosh, I can't remember who said this, but at one point I heard someone say something like, sometimes we have to get out of our mind and into our body. Yes, absolutely. That is what so, I teach. Yeah. Yes. So sometimes that means for me, I like to run. I like to be outside in nature and do things physical in nature. So it might be, I go for a run, I go for a walk. Um, if I can't run, you know, and I think what happens when you do something physical is that, you know, you have to direct some focus to that activity, right? Like you have no choice. Right. We're still thinking about the thing. We're always thinking about the things in our brain, but we can't put all of our focus only there. Mm -hmm. And it helps to clarify a little bit. So externalizing, getting out of your brain and into your body, whether that's through a physical activity or breath work or something like that, I think can be really helpful. Um, and then it, start making plans when you're in a really good emotionally regulated state. Right. So waiting until you're feeling like 
things are under control in your mind before you take the next step, I think is really important. Like for me, it's always like, oh my gosh, I got crappy feedback. I'm quitting. I'm never doing anything of this again. Bye. I'm deleting my Instagram. So right. training yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not usually Instagram. Instagram that I'm pretty, pretty good around, but right. um, usually the people that I work one-on-one -on -one with, and it doesn't happen very often for me anymore, but I'm thinking of past jobs and things like that. But um, not not giving up um, when you're in the moment. So recognizing that when you're emotionally dysregulated and feeling RSD, that's not the time to make the choices. Right. Um, so I think that's the next step. And then we really have to be good at um, recognizing our capacity and mm. learning when, if we have a lot of situations that it might trigger this coming mm -hmm. up, making sure we're planning time to really reflect and have downtime and just do whatever we want that we don't have to have our brain on these things, right? Like giving our brain that break and resting in the way that makes sense for us so that it's not like we're constantly battling this tendency. Because right. like I said, it's hard to make this go away. It will soften, I think, with time and awareness, but uh, we are who we are, you know, and we have big emotions and we can't necessarily fix that. And I think that they can help us in a lot of ways too, but um, I think those three approaches, the making sure we manage our capacity around what we can tolerate, mm -hmm. um, getting out of our head and into our body and having a way to externalize the emotion is really important. Yeah, I love all of those things. And, and what it really comes down to, Meredith, is what, what based on everything that you're saying is self-awareness. Yes. Self-awareness is if we don't, and, and, I, and I can't, you said it somewhere that you have to you have to notice that, mm -hmm. oh, this is RSD. And I like that you say to say it out loud or say it mm -hmm. in your, oh, this is RSD. Like yeah. the minute you notice, oh, this is a thing. This is a recurring thing. This is RSD. This is an old pattern. This is an mm -hmm. old emotion. As soon as you notice that that's like the first step, right? You, cause we can't make any changes. Right. I mean, we can't make the changes from that, like you said, too, from that that escalated state. Yes. We can't make any changes. We can't because in effect our, our thinking brain shuts down yeah. like, when we're in those those mm -hmm. elevated states. But the noticing and that's self-awareness, like that's the mm -hmm. first step. We When we notice, then we can take a breath. We can make a different choice. We can take mm -hmm. a pause and then so we're not reacting to everything all the yeah time. yeah and if we don't understand you know if we don't have a name for it if we don't understand what the root is we just know we feel crappy right we start to associate like you know being a parent is terrible because i'm always feeling these strong feelings you know what i mean or i hate running my business because i'm always stressed out like if we can't recognize the cause we have no way to to manage and move forward so I, I, that self-awareness piece is is definitely key for it's sure it's huge i mean i really i think that is number one for everything i mean we can't <laughs> yeah. do anything 100 i know <laughs> for our to to support ourselves with yes. our adhd i mean we can't we can't even find support unless we have the, the awareness right first. what yes. do i need support with we're uh -huh. <laughs> right? yes. the support 100 percent. and for so many of us that were diagnosed later in life or even those that i um i talk to people all the time that were like yeah i was diagnosed as a child but i no one ever taught me what this really meant right other than okay you sometimes have trouble focusing or you're hyperactive 
So we really have to start with the self-awareness and then we can start with the strategies. A lot of times people come to me and they're like, but what do I do? What's, what's the thing I can do? Right. Um, but we have to build that foundation of self-awareness first before any of those strategies are going to work. Yeah, exactly. And, and also to know that, you know, maybe, um, this specific strategy is not going to work for me, but yeah, I have to know myself first to, mm -hmm. you know, if, am I even going to, cause some of the strategy, you know, I think back to, um, years ago, I used to run, I used to be a runner. I would run like six, seven days a week and mm -hmm. it was my way. It was in my twenties and it was in my, my way of moving energy. I, I yeah. understand that now. I didn't really understand like what was my like my motor just kept yeah going. i mean i'm the same i started running in my 20s and before that i would like dream of running before i was a runner you know and um i sorry to interrupt but i feel like <laughs> just really wanted to make a note that i find that a lot of the clients i work with are very active in some right. way or in another way. right and even long before they're diagnosed a lot of times yes. that piece is already in place because it was helping them and they knew it was helping them i didn't know why you know right, right. Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 um, and that I learned that after I sprained an ankle, um, mm -hmm. running and I had, it took me like six months to get back to running again. And I realized I really don't like this. <laughs> I really don't <laughs> like to run. So I had to find other ways. So I guess I say that because you knowing yourself, when you know yourself, then you can, you can, you know, with support, like with your support mm -hmm. to, to, um, to find different ways that you can move that energy. And, and I love that you said that the out of the mind and into the body, sometimes I feel, I mean, even just like shaking, mm -hmm. sometimes moving my body, I can almost imagine the energy moving out of my body when I'm yeah. moving, you know? Yeah. What, yeah, whatever have. it might be, or just going, I'm, I'm a barefoot person. I love mm -hmm. to be barefoot. I kind of, I understand better why, because it's, it's just, I don't know, the sensory, yeah, everything, mm -hmm. you know? And so going outside and actually being barefoot in the grass, there's this mm -hmm. thing called grounding, which yes. I never knew that was a thing. I was like, mm -hmm. I just, it was just something I did, mm -hmm. but, but imagining like that energy. Okay. Once that, once that like frenetic energy is out of my body, mm -hmm. then I can replace it, but we right. can't have two things at the same time. We have totally. kind of have to let go yeah. of the energy first. Mm -hmm. Well, it's always, always interesting to look at our past behaviors through the ADHD lens. When right. you talked about like, even just going outside and putting my feet on the ground, I mean, that's like the, you know, I don't know if you were like this, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners might relate, but I remember like if I was at a party or with a group of friends or whatever, when I was younger and doing all that socializing that you do as, you know, a teenager in early twenties, like I was always that person that would have to like go out and get air. Like yes, I was the person that was always disappearing and it was always outside to breathe. Um, right. and now that I know more about ADHD, I'm like, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. We are very driven towards nature. And a lot of it has to do with how we filter information. Right. Um, and because when we're outside where there's a lot of sensory input, but it's not like always overwhelming sensory input. It's like the wind and different colors. So our brain likes to notice those things, right? but it's not so intrusive that it, it takes over the thoughts we want to have that we need to clear out. So exactly. It, it's yeah. Like, like the conversations or whatever. Yeah. Else is yeah. Going yeah. On. Like yeah. when we're in a crowded room, we don't get that. Like that's too much for our senses, but it like, we, we need a lot of input, but it's like the right kind of input that yes. allows our brain to really dial into what we really need to like think about and be aware of and things like that. So nature is also, you know, we, 
that to layer on that get out of your mind and into your body. I also am like, just get outside, like get right. out and breathe. That can really help us. I think too, the, um, the, uh, looking out, I'm looking, um, out my window right now mm-hmm. into my backyard, but the li- looking out, it's kind of when we're inside we're, we're our vision is shorter, but mm-hmm. when we're outside, it's almost like we have a greater perspective because yes. we can see further. It's an mm-hmm. interesting, I had a chiropractor, um, explain that to me one, one time, like, okay, another reason why I love to be outside. Cause I can mm-hmm. see a bigger perspective yeah. than just what's in my head or what's right. going on in a room or in a space, mm-hmm. you know, with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talk about perfectionism and can mm-hmm. you talk about how perfectionism and rsd kind of intertwine oh i feel like they are really close friends mm-hmm. um i i'm very passionate about the topic of overcoming perfectionism because mm-hmm. i felt like it was destroying my life and mm-hmm. when i was able to make that shift out of it it's been so life-changing for me to live this freedom of not being a perfectionist anymore right. um, that I want that for other people. But um, in terms of RSD, um, I think what happens is we drive ourselves to want everything to be what we think is perfect because if everything is perfect, nobody can say anything to us. Nobody right. can give us that feedback we don't want to hear. We can that avoid so good. all of that yeah. pain. So perfectionism is like a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but it's a a coping mechanism that doesn't really help us in the long term a lot of times. Right. But, um, we, you know, sometimes perfectionism is actually our reason to avoid. Mm -hmm. So procrastination often we think we don't really think of perfectionism and procrastination as being related. But oftentimes when I work with adults with ADHD, um, they're not doing the thing and not because they don't feel like it. They're not doing the thing because they don't think they can do it perfectly. Mm, and right. so it feels more comfortable for us to not do it at all than to do something where we might have to open ourselves up for a little bit of criticism. I'm going to give you the example because um, I know you follow me on Instagram. I really struggle with proofreading. I love mm. to write. Right. But my brain literally doesn't see the typos. Like they don't exist. I do read over my stuff. But like, it's that I, I'm a combined type ADHD. So I have Mm -hmm. the hyperactive component. So I am, my brain is just going fast. I'm usually like multitasking when I'm posting and you know what I mean? So I just don't see them. Um, and I really had to stop caring (laughs) because, um, one Instagram isn't going to like you if you're deleting all your stuff. And when people have commented on things, I don't want to like delete a conversation that's happening. Right. Right. You can't edit graphics. You can edit captions. You can't edit. This is probably way too much information. Thank you, ADHD. But um, <laughs> I literally, I my Instagram would probably not exist or it would not um, be very active if I hadn't overcame that perfectionism. Because right. when I first started, I would overthink every post for days. Everything had to be perfect. I was worried about saying everything exactly right so that I didn't get canceled or any of these things. And right, I really right. had to recognize that behavior, that that was my procrastination. It wasn't that I didn't have anything to say. It wasn't that I didn't want to post things, but it felt easier to just avoid mm-hmm. than to do something imperfectly. Right. Um, and once you can start to see that and see your behaviors there, then it starts to get easier to embrace yeah. the good enough and move forward. But 
um, a lot of times we are, we're not doing it because we just don't want to face the consequences of it not being perfect or someone thinking, pointing out to us, you know, and like, really, it's not that big of a deal. Someone points out a typo to me. I get over it very quickly, Right, but it, I didn't at first, you know, it used to like really make me angry. And then I realized I'm like, okay, this is RST, you know, and they, they definitely like really can intertwine with each other. Absolutely. And I can totally see that, especially in my, in my work was uh-huh. perfectionism because I don't want to feel the, the RSD because I don't, because I'm, because, because it hurts. It's right? not fun. <laughs> it's, it's strong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. There was something I was going to say again, something I was going to ask you about, and I can't remember what it was. It was not the perfectionism. Um, Yeah. Okay. So when we, when we're keeping ourselves, when we, when we're feeling, um, when we're feeling, uh, the avoidance or the burnout, we have the burnout, we're doing the people pleasing, the perfectionism. I mean, it all goes together, right? It's all, it's, it's all, it's all kind of intertwined. Totally. Mm -hmm. Um, but when we are, when we're doing that, um, when we are, um, I don't know what I was going to say, Meredith. I'm just like, <laughs> so it, so it keeps us, we, we talked about this a little bit before, but it keeps us from really experiencing life. And, yeah. and I love, so I love how you, um, you kind of laid it out with the self-awareness and with, um, with, the, with the steps to getting it, you know, getting out of your mind and into your body mm-hmm. and kind of letting it go that way. But it can really, keep us from, especially in business, from making a bigger impact. Because like you said, if I'm not, if I don't put those posts up or if I don't, Mm -hmm. because you are helping people, right? So if we, if we, in, in, in our, in, because we never know when one thing that we say, it could be something that we're repeating, right? That mm-hmm. we heard somewhere else. Right. That somebody hears it from us and it completely changes their perspective or it completely changes their life. Right. So mm-hmm. how can we get over? Now you did you did mention like the steps that we can do, but is there any kind of like mindset that we can use to to um uh to move past that so that so that we we don't miss the opportunity to help others and it does whether we're in business or not right mm-hmm. yeah so again self-awareness but then when we start noticing those patterns of perfectionism and noticing um that it holds us back we have to have um some things that we say to ourselves to move us forward so mm-hmm. um i have some mantras that i really live my life by um done is better than perfect. Mm, yeah. Perfect isn't real. B plus work saves the world. I think it's Kristen Carter that says that one. Um, I want to credit her, but um, I, you know, <laughs> it's funny. I was a, mostly a straight A student as a kid. I was like straight A's, but then like a C in math or Spanish, like those couple right. of subjects that I had no interest in. Nah, I'm not going to be able to pass those, but um, you know, it's different for a couple of my kids. And I, I feel like I pull out that old like nineties mantra of like 
C's get degrees, you know, like, right, right. isn't it better to do it than just be so worried about that A that you are anxious and you, you know, don't even want to go to school, like all of those things. So having those things to tell yourself and remind yourself, having people in your circle that will remind you to. Mm, um, sometimes we need it reflected back to us. Mm -hmm. So for me, working with an ADHD coach when I was early in my journey was absolutely um, an incredible experience and a lot of the reason I decided to get into coaching because I saw the impact in my own life. Um, working with a therapist can be really, really helpful mm -hmm. um, to help you process some of this and to be able to reflect it back to you. So, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to see it. Um, I also feel like in terms of mindset, we have to get good at questioning the stories we're saying to ourselves. Mm, right. um, and with perfectionism specifically, a lot of times we're telling ourselves um, things like, well, I'm just the type of person that puts out only high quality work, or I want to be that mm. person that over delivers. And, um, you know, all of that is great. But sometimes we have to get good at calling ourselves out and being like, yeah, you're putting out high quality work, but are you? Because you aren't advertising your services because you're afraid of Instagram and right. you know what I mean? Right. Or can you put out high quality work without having it need to be 100% perfect? Mm -hmm. You can 100% serve in a very quality way with typos in your work. You know right, what I mean? Right. So really getting honest with the stories you have, like I have high expectations or I have a high expectations of myself. Is it that, or are we saying that to ourselves so that we have a reason to not, you know? Oh yeah. Cause we're forward. very good at that too, right? The excuse yeah. I have high expectations yeah. of myself, so I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we won't do anything at all unless we can do it a hundred percent. Right. Um, and that's a hard so one. That's, a, that's a really that's hard. A, yeah. Yeah. And an interesting um, awareness too, that it is, uh, I mean, we all have it, like all humans mm -hmm. have that, but that um, that ADHD, especially, we definitely, yeah. definitely have um, a difficult time with that. So anything else that you can think of that would be really helpful for our listeners to know about RSD? Honestly, I think that just being able to name it is the one thing that you want to work on the mm -hmm. most. Um, understand that Sometimes we have to let those feelings be felt. Um, there's not going to necessarily be the strategy or cure that's going to make your RSD completely disappear. Right. Um, a lot of times I feel like when clients come to me, they're like, I've, I've been trying all the things. I think my life's going to be like this forever. It's going to feel terrible forever. And you may feel some of those feelings forever, but I think it's really, really important for our audience to understand that it can get better. It won't get perfect. It's not right. going to be the perfect world where you never experience RSD, but when you can start naming it, when you can start using your tools and having hope that you'll be able to navigate it, that's when you're going to be able to start moving forward. So don't give up hope. If you have those feelings and they're really painful, I feel you, you know, get, get yourself support on that and um, it's available to you and it's out there. So, yeah, you know. I, I love that. Um, I, in my own life and in my, in my work as well, it's a, you know, we're, the feelings are not going to go away. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're human for one thing. Right. And we have our human minds. Mm -hmm. We have a different kind of nervous system on top mm -hmm. of that. So mm -hmm. if we are like, I, I've noticed over, over the past couple decades, in my own life that I spend more time or I spend less time 
feeling crappy and feeling those right big emotions i f spend less time down here and i'm able to bring myself up more quickly right right so i think that and that goes along with a perfectionist too like we don't mm -hmm. ever want to start working with a coach or a therapist thinking that they're going to heal our adhd yes. or they're going to heal those i mean it's it's i don't want to say coping it's maybe more like managing or uh -huh. or you know the the little noticing that oh I that something like that would have would have um held me down for a week or two weeks or a, mm -hmm. month or a year you know yeah. but noticing that oh I don't stay down as long as I used to yes that yes. is a win right totally the the symptoms don't go away they don't right. get you know like we will have days where we really can't focus we're gonna have days where things are really hard our emotions are very dysregulated um but like you said it's a softening there's ways right. we can soften this and um that's really the goal again we're human beings with or without ADHD like understanding to to get out of that black or white of like you know, I never want to experience this again, or I never want to fail again. Like you have to get comfortable with, there are going to be uncomfortable things in our journey. Right. And that doesn't mean that we will be there forever, but accepting that um, instead of ruminating on that and trying, if we're, if all we're doing is trying to avoid rejection all of the time, then we're not going to be doing much at all because right. it's everywhere, you know? So learning to soften that, learning to recognize what we need, take care of ourselves in the process, I think is, that's the key. Yeah. Well, Meredith, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for sharing on your Instagram. And, um, and like I said, I've, I've, it's really helpful. I love your carousels because they're easy for me to follow and they're simple. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so go check out, go check out. It's hummingbird ADHD. Yes. Hummingbird underscore ADHD. Is underscore my ADHD. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's my next, my next invitation is for you to tell us all about what you've got coming up, how our listeners can find you. Yeah. So find me first on Instagram. Um, the link in my bio is always updated with my current offers. Mm -hmm. Um, I do some group coaching, but, um, likely will not have another group running until like, um, looking like April. Mm -hmm. Um, I sometimes will have availability for one-on-one. -on -one. I usually work with, um, solopreneurs. So people that are looking to have that ADHD lens on their business and get out of some of this avoidance and things like that. Right. Um, but one thing that I think that I really um, want to tell your audience about is my Hummingbird Hive community. Mm. So the Hummingbird Hive is a community for um, adults with ADHD. It is um, built for connection because a lot of times I think that we spend our whole lives feeling like we're different than everybody else. Right. And I found when I started disclosing my ADHD to friends and finding my friends that had ADHD, I'm like, this is so fun. Like we can have these hilarious, right? hilarious, like, oh, we go on tangents and right. free to like not feel masked all the time. You know, everybody's fidgeting. It's great. And that community, we have some message boards. I do some pre-recorded content, but the great thing about that is we have um, several meetings a week on Zoom where we like do a little accountability. We have groups that are just for chatting and connecting. And I'm really seeing great things happen with the members of their group connecting with others and it's definitely a passion project of mine to bring people together and, and feel supported and that's a very um accessible option in terms if you are a person that really is interested in coaching but are not sure you can afford um one-on-one -on -one or something like that i would definitely right. recommend checking that out 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. The hummingbird or hummingbird hive. Okay. Yes. It doesn't really make sense because, you know, hummingbirds don't like hives. They don't live in hives like bees do, but I needed the H's to like have the alliteration. But you know, (laughs) but, but it does, I mean, but it does make sense. Just like the, the hummingbird kind of. Yes. Yes. Buzzes. I feel like it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. And sometimes that's our ADHD brain. Like they make sense, but they don't. Like we have so many strange contradictions that I'm like, okay, we're going to make this work. (laughs) Strange contradictions, a whole other conversation. Yes. We we can can talk about that. Yeah. That is a whole conversation of its own for sure. Well, Meredith, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your brilliance and all that you're doing in the community. And definitely go check Meredith out and um, and uh, tell her that you heard her on uh, Vision Driven Mom with ADHD. All right. Thank Thanks you, so Tracy. much, Meredith. So Take nice to see you today. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. To get started on your vision-driven mom journey, go to visiondrivenmomwalk.com to download the Vision Walk audio guide. Join the collective of moms with ADHD moving their bodies and their lives forward and leaving overwhelm behind. Anything is possible, even for the mom with ADHD. Goodbye for now.